0: Scripture reading this morning will be from Luke, Luke chapter 23, verses 24 through 47. Luke chapter 23, verse 44 through 47. It was, when, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice, said, Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man is innocent. Good morning. morning. Our title this morning is What Christ's Resurrection Demonstrates and What It Should Mean to You. We have many memorials in our country. World War II Memorial, Pearl Harbor, Vietnam, Civil Rights, 9-11. I've had the privilege to visit some of these, and if you have, they are certainly moving and memorable. I wonder, have you ever seen somebody act inappropriately at one of these occasions? Maybe they were laughing, joking around, making light. Maybe they were talking, disinterested, busy doing other things. Somebody could argue, well, Eric, no one can tell you how to behave at a memorial. They don't exactly have detailed explanations for that. And everybody can do what they do on their own. There there is no pattern to follow, to remember the, the event or the person. The truth is, I couldn't argue that, because I don't know of any such instructions at any of our memorials. I don't know of anybody who will come out and check your behavior or tell you what you do or what you should or should not do. Now, there may be suggestions. There may be requests for quiet and so forth, but a person would be right if they so argued. But that's not true of Jesus and his memorial. Jesus did tell us what to do. Jesus did tell us when to do it. In fact, Jesus told us how to remember him. We do that every week in partaking of the Lord's Supper. The world says, well, yeah, let's do that once a year. Let's give our attention to Jesus. Twice if you count Christmas. But then instead of talking about Jesus, let's not talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Let's talk bunnies. The Lord's death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates many things. And it should mean something to you. It should mean something more than once a year. What does it demonstrate? What does it mean? Christ's death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates the love of God for your soul. That's what it demonstrates. John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 3 and verse 16 says, Hereby we perceive the love of God. Here is how we understand love, because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John would also write, In this was manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus said it was the greatest demonstration of love. Greater love hath no man than this, then a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. Paul would say he did it while we were helpless. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Just as a quick uh, note, I would add, The death, burial, and resurrection teaches we needed it. Paul says, while we were sinners, the death, burial, and resurrection says we had a problem we could not solve. And were it not for the love of God, we'd be absolutely helpless, but he does love us. And he gave his son... Paul said, of God, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8, 32. For those who have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, accepted and obeyed the love of God, received it. It's what Paul says before that in verse 31 that makes it so significant. He said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Jesus didn't just get hurt. He didn't swoon or pass out. He died for your sins and for mine. He bore our sins on the tree, and he did this by the direction of God. His Father, your Father, my Father, the Creator of heaven and earth loved you so much, he gave Jesus to die for you. What should Christ's death, burial, and resurrection mean to you? It should answer the question once for all, as some people struggle and ask, does God love me? Absolutely. In fact, it means you should personalize it and understand that. Paul did. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I heard one gospel preacher say, if there were only one human being on the planet, Christ would still have come. That's the point. He loves you. God's love should comfort our hearts in difficult times. Difficult times come, yes they do, and God's love should see you through. God's love should provide the strength and the peace to overcome worry. I don't know what's going to be on the morrow, but God will love me tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day, but God will be with me and he will love me through this day. How can I make it? God loves me. David said, though all men forsake me, the Lord stands with me. Paul said the same thing. God's love should help us overcome fear. God loves you. That's what the death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates. Secondly, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ demonstrates the humanity of Christ. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 7, the Bible says that she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. See Jesus there as a babe born of a woman, Galatians 4 and verse number 4. He was us, just like you, just like me. That's what the apostles continually said, Acts 2 and verse 29. Peter and the others said, men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, his sepulchre is with us unto this day, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn unto him with an oath that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ. To sit on his throne he's seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his flesh did see corruption Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1 again emphasizing his humanity connecting it to his death burial and resurrection Paul says Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God which he had promised Afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Whatever you and I say about humanity, we must be willing to say that about Jesus. It's one of the many reasons that we know for a fact we're not depraved. Somebody says, well, the world is just terrible. The people you can't—no, human beings are good. They're worth dying for, and Jesus was one of them. He was just like us. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 16, the Bible says, for he verily took on him the nature—not the nature of angels—but he took on the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, you'll want to note that, in all things, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, not some things, not many things, not most things. In everything that makes a human being a human being, he was that. He was made in all things like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God so that he could make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are also tempted. Christ was human just like us. His death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates that. What that means is he knows what you're going through because he went through it. And therefore, he's able to help you and I overcome our trials. The writer would say, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Please note how the writers in the Bible connect facts to action, connect facts to thoughts. Here's the argumentation seeing that. Here's the conclusion. Here's the point that I've been making. Do you see that Jesus Christ, that we have a great high priest, where is he? He is passed into the heavens. What does that mean? He says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a result of that fact, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. How do you make it through the day? How do you— Jesus was just like you, and he made it, and he'll help you make it. In fact, by conclusion, he says, Let us therefore come boldly, confidently, where? Unto the throne of grace. Why would we do that? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is it that gets you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because he was just like you and he got through. Jesus left us an example, Peter would say, 1 Peter 2:21, for even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered. You know when people cry out the most to God is when they're suffering. When they complain the most to God, it's when they're suffering. Oh, I don't mean they're always suffering physically. Sometimes it's mental, it's emotional, it's stress, it's this, that, and the other. But whenever suffering occurs, they cry out to God for help. Well, that's fine. Peter says, For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Did he suffer? Physically, yes. He was tired. Somebody say, well, I'm just tired. Jesus knows what that's like. I'm thirsty. Jesus was thirsty. I'm hungry. Jesus, he was hungry. He suffered physically, but more than that, he was spat upon. They spit on our Lord. They hit our Lord. They scourged our Lord. He suffered physically. He knows. But he suffered mentally. He was tired. He was wearied, he was denied, he was betrayed, he suffered. Emotionally, they lied on him. You ever been lied on? What happens to your emotions when you get lied on? Jesus was lied on. You ever been accused of doing wrong when you didn't do it? Jesus was accused. You ever been denied? I don't even know the person, but you're my best friend. I don't even know him. Jesus was denied. You ever been betrayed? Jesus was betrayed spiritually. He doesn't know it. Oh, yeah, he was tempted in all points like as we are. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Well, he never suffered loss. I know it passes where Jesus is standing in a cemetery, standing with his friend in a tomb, crying. Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. What does the death, bell and resurrection mean? It demonstrates Jesus is just like us. Isaiah 53, he is simply described as, tell me if you want to wear the moniker. He is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But Christ rose from the dead, and that connects him to us. It, it, it demonstrates that He is one of us, nobody will arrive at the judgment and tell God, "You don't know what it's like." Jesus will step forward and say, "I do." Oh, the Word was made flesh, John 1:14. Interestingly enough, it won't be God that judges. Jesus said that the Father has committed all judgment to the Son, John five twenty-seven. And Paul says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians five ten. The very one who judges is the very one who went through it, and the very one who's able to help you through it. Question, what does it mean to you? Christ's humanity should eliminate the question, does God know what I'm going through? Yes, he does. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection should answer the question, does God care about my life? Yes, he absolutely cares. In fact, he watched his son go through the exact same things. He was with him all the way. Christ's humanity should determine my thoughts about humanity and about our nature. There are those who believe we're depraved and helpless and useless and have no merit. It's interesting, Jesus didn't even want us to refer to each other as fools. He didn't want us to say of one another, you're worthless and have no merit or no value. Jesus said, don't do that. Why not, Lord? You'd be talking about Jesus. Why not, Lord? You'd be talking about the one whose nature he shares. Can't talk about the son without talking about the father. Can't talk about humans without talking about Jesus. His nature, his death, burial, and resurrection connects him to us and enables him to help us. Christ's humanity should determine how highly we esteem ourselves. He became one of us. It's interesting. In Genesis 1, God gives us His image in John 1 God takes our image whatever you think of you you think of Jesus thirdly the death burial and resurrection of Christ demonstrates the redemption of mankind in Acts chapter 2 when it was first preached that was the sermon the culmination of God's Word that led us to that point that was the point that Christ died and was buried, and that he rose the third day. And he did this by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, that he is set at the right hand of God. David is not ascended, but Jesus is. He's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. The Lord's death, burial, and resurrection is what makes salvation possible it is the point of the bible it is god's eternal plan paul would say in ephesians 3 9 through 11 as you read through the bible that's what you're reading that is the point the prophets are prophesying that christ will come and that christ will die and that christ will rise as early as Genesis three fifteen, Genesis 12 1 to 3 the promises to Abraham Christ is the seed Galatians three 16. he'll be the seed of David second Samuel 7 12 to 14 Isaiah's prophecies born of a virgin God with us it's what the Apostles preached 1 Corinthians 15 1 to 58 and all of the implications thereof. Because Christ rose from the dead, his death, burial, and resurrection is what provides our redemption. Paul would say, through his blood, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1 7. Later in that book, Paul will say, we were without hope, but in Christ, we've been brought near. He would simply say it this way He is our hope. What's the hope of the world, Jesus? What's the hope of my life, Jesus? He is our peace. Some people live their lives and they can't get any peace. They keep trying to find it. And so they try this thing and that thing and another thing. And if they're not trying drugs and other things to medicate and ease and numb, then they're trying guru after guru and new thing after new thing. Try this diet. Have you read this? Maybe this. And so this happens and this exercise and this trip and this thing. And they're on a constant search. I'm trying to find peace. You're not going to find it without Jesus. No, he is our Peace. Peace with whom? It's interesting, you actually need peace three times in your life. First, you need to make peace with God because of sin. You see, in sin, you are an adversary to God, you're an opponent to God. Paul says that we all walked according to the course of the air, the spirit of the power that works in wickedness, Ephesians 2 1 through 3. We were enemies of God. That's what you are in sin. You're the problem, not God, but in sin, you're estranged from God. You need to make peace. There's conflict there. First, you need to make peace with God. How can you do that, Christ? But then you need to make peace with your fellow man. How come we can't get along? Well, man has never done well with that, not for very long anyway. And we're always the one thing away. The next event, that's going to destroy the peace. And sometimes people get confused because sometimes there's quiet and it's interpreted as peace. Sometimes there's moments of calm and it's interpreted as peace. It's not peace. It's calm momentarily. It's, 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 it's a lack of energy momentarily, but it's always bubbling right under the surface. And when the next event happens, you'll see the results. How can we ever get people, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different educations, different social—how can we ever get them to finally come together and have true peace with one another, brotherhood, how can we do—friends, Jesus, he is our peace, who has made both one. How does he do it? He brings us all into one body and makes us part of his family. Now we have peace. You ever seen Christians get along? Oh, they do. When they understand rightly that peace has been made, you can go from sea to shining sea in the brotherhood. You can find yourself in people's homes you've never known, people's circumstances. You show it. Somebody say, you need a car? You just drive around here. I've been told it. I know it's true. Well, Eric that's just you I'm afraid not too many people have experienced this why because it's a kingdom of peace who makes peace between man and man Jesus Christ he's our peace but thirdly you need peace in yourself how come you can't quiet your mind how come you can't at last be okay with you you take you everywhere you go I don't know if it was Ben Franklin or George Washington who said, I pity the man who carries himself everywhere he goes and is not happy with the company. (laughs) I pity the man. You can't ever be happy with you. No, I can't ever get myself together. I just can't ever settle my mind. I can't ever get myself. How at last can you get Jesus? Because Jesus says, I forgive you. You are okay with God? You're okay with me? I forgive you. How does he do that? His death, his burial, his resurrection. That's what it does. All of these things relate to salvation, and all of them find their fulfillment in Jesus, and without Jesus, they cannot exist. In fact, his singular importance is talked about in Scripture. Listen to the way he talks about himself. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. What if you don't? Matthew 12 and verse 30, Jesus said, he that is not, he that is against me is not with me, is against me. In John 5 and verse number 40, he said to the Jews, by way of lamentation, and ye will not come to me that you might have life. To Philip, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh no, I'm not going to try Jesus. I'm going to try this guru. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, no, I'm not going to try Jesus. I'm going to try this celebrity. I am the way, the truth, and – Oh, no. No. I'm not going to try Jesus. I'm going to try this diet. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, in the latest guru, in me, in the latest fad, in me, in, 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 in pop culture, in me. Well, the Lord maybe don't know about this on TikTok. In me. He that maybe he hadn't heard this on Instagram. In me. There is no peace. There is no joy without Jesus. He's telling you. He's explaining. And his death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates— Without me, he went on to say, you could do nothing. Life feel like it's spinning out of control. Life feel like you're constantly circling in one place. Plane never takes off. Never enough gas to power it down the runway. Never catch flight. And if it does, immediately hits turbulence and is back on the ground. Constantly shaking and wobbling and out of. And then you look at somebody else and you say, you're always so calm. They probably have Jesus. You seem to not be worried about it, Jesus. <laughs> what does it mean to you? It means your problem with sin can be solved, but not without Jesus. Redemption should be your most valued treasure if you possess it, and the one most sought after if you don't. Redemption should be the lens through which you view life, not whether or not the stock market is up or down, not whether or not the gas is in the inflation. No, that's not how you view life. That'll change, but not Jesus, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and tomorrow and forever. Now, that should be the way you view life. That should be the anchor that holds you when the storms come. Those who have dug deep and built their house on the rock of Jesus, they're not immune from the storms, but their house weathers the storms because of Jesus. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ demonstrates Christ's triumph and victory. That's the way the Bible talks about it. Mark 3, verses 23 to 27, Jesus will bind the strong man. He will demonstrate his power over the spirit world, over the demons, over nature, over the devil. Jesus will demonstrate his power over it all. 1 John 3 and verse number 8, for this reason he was manifest, set forth, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what John wrote. Because Christ rose from the dead, no longer does death have power over God's children. The Hebrew writer talks about those who through fear of death all their lifetime were subject to bondage. When the subject of death comes up for you, what kind of conversation is it? There'll be people that don't even want to hear the word, don't talk about it. Almost like Bruno. We don't talk about it. We don't we don't talk about death We just don't do it here. We don't mention it as if us not talking about it will make it go No, it won't make it go away No death is a problem for mankind But not for those who have Jesus because Christ rose from the dead 1 Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 says, he exposed the devil and his works. Paul says, we are not ignorant of his schemes. We know what he does. We've seen him in action. Jesus has laid it bare. And then Jesus rose from the dead and overcame. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The mystery of God is finished with the victory of Christ. John says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony and they love not their souls unto death Paul talks and says in chapter 8 of Romans in verse number 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit Christ came overcame triumphed, victorious you name it he defeated it and those who are in him now have no fear no fear. The great chapter in, on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 with all of its wonderful implications spelled out, they close, that chapter closes with these great words of hope and assurances. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ sometimes when you talk real fast small words can be missed I'm talking about the victory of Christ but did you hear what Paul said thanks be to God which gives us the victory because Christ rose we win he gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ the result of that Therefore, my beloved brethren, how should I live? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Should I let go of Jesus? Never. Be steadfast. Should I give up Christ? Never. Be unmovable. Should I go about and wait for the Lord? Never. Always abound in the work of the Lord. Why? Because you know how this ends. Your Labor is not in vain in the Lord. We win. That's what the death, burial, and resurrection demonstrates. But let me ask you this. What's it mean to you? What it should mean is you appreciate the fact that the devil can't make you sin. The devil can't take you from the hand of God. Nobody can take you from the hand of God. Nobody can force you to do anything against your will. What it should mean is death has no power over you. Oh, I'm not going to run out in the middle of the street. Of course not. That would be foolish. Please don't do that. But what happens when it's just my time? What happens when I know it ahead of time? What happens when I walk into the doctor's office and they say, Eric, there's nothing we can do? Well, there's no need to panic. I know how this ends. Christ has given me the victory. Because he rose, I'll rise. God's word is true. His promises are yes. And the assurance is Christ rose from the dead. Because Christ is victorious, we will do. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Number five, what's it mean, the death, burial, and resurrection? What's it demonstrate? It demonstrates that heaven is open. In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer talks at length about Christ and his coming and, and how that he died for our sins and that because of his blood, He was able to go into the Holy of Holies and present that blood to the Father, and he finished the work of the Father, fulfilling the Scriptures, finishing his work, appeasing God's wrath, sacrifice for sin, making the atonement, presented the blood of Christ and and satisfied once and for all the problem of sin. In fact, the Hebrew writer would say that's why he was born. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, sacrifice an offering, thou wouldest not but a body. But a body hast thou prepared for me his humanity. Why does he need a body? So he can die, because God can't. But that was the plan. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. He said, Lo, and I has come in the volume of the book it is written to me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings for sin, you wouldest not, neither has pleasure in, which are offered by the law. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. If you read this book, he'll talk about how the various items connected to the law were necessary but never intended to be the completion of God's work. That the sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats. They can't take away sins, but the blood of Jesus can. That the priests first had to offer for their own sins and then for the sins of the people, but Jesus had no sins that the priest couldn't continue by reason of death, and so they had to pass on the priesthood. But Jesus abides and remains a priest forever. What does it indicate? Heaven is open. veil has been rent. The blood has been offered. The atonement has been made. Entrance into heaven can now be realized because of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let me ask you, what's it mean to you? We generally end here with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. But there is one more thing that's necessary, and that is the ascension of our Lord. It's really then his death, burial, and resurrection that completes the work of God on earth, satisfies and fulfills and awes all of the things connected to Christ's work here John 19 30. it is finished but after those 40 days with his apostles Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 they watch as he ascends there's still things that happen and when they watch as he ascends Daniel says in Daniel 7 9 to 14 he sees the other side of that event And while the apostles look up, Daniel has prophetically seen what happens next. And what Daniel says is, I saw in the night visions, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and they, angels, brought him, the Christ, to the Ancient of Days, the Father. And when he came, Daniel says, there was given him dominion, power, glory, and the kingdom. He sits down, coronated, crowned, and sits at the right hand of the Father after his ascension. It's after the resurrection that Jesus says, All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. The apostles preach that he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has shed forth this. That's what Peter and the others say. Jesus said the same, while on earth, I will send the comforter. When he ascends, he and the Father send the Spirit, and he comes. And when he comes, he guides them in the all-truth, the very book we hold. The revelation follows after his coronation, the inspiration, the confirmation, the signs, the establishment of the church. After he ascends, sits down at the right hand of the Father. The gospel goes forth. The church is established. He intercedes, mediates after his ascension. He performs his high priestly functions. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Very often in Scripture, if not always in the New Testament, after this Christ is presented as seated, seating or sitting at the right hand of the Father, seated There is one occasion, though, that's noteworthy in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 56, where Stephen says, I saw the Lord stand at the right hand of God. It seems appropriate to note that heaven is interested in what happens to God's children. And when the first individual was being stoned to death for preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus He stood. Jesus is interested in your life. Christ rules now as king. Does he rule your life and your heart? Our king is passed into the heavens, sovereign, ruler of heaven and earth. His word will judge. His word will come to pass. His will will be done. And as a result of that, his children need never fear. The death, burial, and resurrection, the ascension of our Lord, it's the greatest, most significant, most important, most essential event in human history. It is the singular reason that any human being who has ever lived, if they should go to heaven, it will be because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. This gospel, this good news, Friends, it's for you. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach it to everybody. Preach what, Lord? My death, burial, and resurrection. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. It's noteworthy that if you hope to ascend to heaven like Jesus, then you also have to have a death, burial, and resurrection. It's exactly the way the scripture talks about it. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 3, Paul says, Know ye not that so many of us as have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, remember the facts and then the actions. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. We die just like he did, and therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead, just like that, by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. There are some people that sometimes, maybe you've seen them, they don't act appropriately at memorials. And then there are some people that tell you it doesn't even matter if Jesus said it. Jesus said, you die, buried, and rise just like I did. And then people say, you don't have to do that. What does his death, burial, and resurrection mean to you? And will you submit your life to him? Well, maybe we'll just talk about bunnies and eggs today. Now, to Christian become one. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and repent. Change your heart and your mind and then be willing to do the very thing that's on your mind today. Die to the practice of sin. Be buried with Christ. Rise, walk in newness of life and let Christ be the Lord of your life the king of your heart. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.